Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. Glad to be joined now by Gillian O'Mahony of Lynch Solicitors. Good morning to you, Gillian. Good morning, Fran. Uh, good to talk to you today. You've seen a huge increase in instructions in divorce and separation uh, cases arising from COVID, Gillian. Unfortunately so, and I think, I suppose, many of my colleagues would have seen an increase as well, Fran. I, and I know we've had this discussion before, and I've said to you before that I typically tend to see an increase in instructions in the new year in January and also in September, perhaps after summer holidays. People have been in close proximity. Um, but I think the pandemic has resulted in people spending perhaps too much time together. And if there were cracks in a relationship, well, the intensity, the pressure of having everybody working from home under the one roof may have accelerated a process, mm. that process. And what kind of extra numbers are we are we talking about here? I mean, I read recently in some article on, you know, in the media that perhaps there may be a 30% increase, well, but I don't think we could actually quantify at the moment because a lot of the time when people come to us first, they come to us for initial consultation. They want to know where, you know, if, if they did start the process, where would it go? What are their options? And it may be then a number of months after they've processed all of that that they come back to us ready to, I suppose, get the ball rolling. Mm. I presume it would be rare enough that, you know, things would go extremely bad just because of COVID. I presume these cases have been sort of simmering away with difficulties within the relationship and then COVID just uh, exaggerates that or amplifies that. Exactly. And I suppose what I've seen is perhaps people saying, right, you know, before they had the outlet, they were out working, they were in yeah. the office eight yeah. hours a day, they had their social outlet, they were able to meet their friends, they were able to go out for dinner, and they were able to cope with the situation. Um, now we also have perhaps there hasn't been the same availability of counselling available mm. to parties, mm. you know, that would have been available in non-pandemic times. And, you know, people haven't, you know, they can't deal with it as well. So it has just, I suppose, brought a lot of things to the head. And, yeah, I mean, the pandemic has taught us all, you know, the importance and it's brought home the importance of family. But as um, on the opposite side to that, it's also taken the toll on a lot of marriages and relationships which may have been strained before, have been under huge pressure because they're spending too much time together. There may be financial pressures. The kids have all been at home. Everybody, you know, is working and studying from home. Mm. Can you take us through the process? If a couple have made that decision and they go to you, Gillian, how does that work? So the first thing that we are, we are mandated, we're obliged by law, is when somebody comes in to me with instructions, I'm obliged to recommend, first of all, counselling. And the process, I suppose the purpose of counselling is to try and get the marriage back on track to save the marriage. We're legally obligated to recommend and give details of counsellors. Whether a client takes up, you know, they're not... Mm obliged to engage in that process but we have to tell them about it and we have to file a certificate with the court in due course saying that we've done that. Parties, if they go off for counselling and, you know, if the marriage is saved, we may hear no further from them. If that doesn't happen, then we take instructions, we decide whether this is can be done by consent. If it's consent, we'll engage with the other side. But if it is not consent, and if they've been living separate and apart for two years, well, then we look at issuing court court proceedings. 
So at the moment, I mean, the law changed there about two years ago and you can issue divorce proceedings if parties have been living separate and apart for only two years. Mm. So that was reduced from four years. Right. And uh, so you would represent one of the parties in, in involved... Oh yes, only one of the, we only can't represent them. both sides. Yes, yes. Um, and the other side may be legally represented or may not. But most of the time, if it's a contested family law case, they will be legally represented. Right. If it's a consent, you would sometimes see that the other side would not have legal representation. And if the parties have reached their own agreement, and we are simply formalising what their agreement is by way of a consent divorce application they may decide to waive their entitlement to to go off and get independent legal advice. Right. Uh, What about the role of mediation in this then, Gillian? Yes, absolutely. And I'm a huge fan of mediation. Mm. Some of the most difficult cases have been resolved through mediation. And again, before we issue proceedings, before we issue contested proceedings, we will always reach out to the other side, to the Mm. other party, and suggest mediation. We recommend mediation to our client. And again, it's a legal obligation. Um, and mediation, you know, it's, it's certainly cost effective and it's, it saves a huge amount of time. And some of the most, as I said, some of the most difficult cases I've had have been resolved through mediation. But there has to be a willingness, a willingness on both sides to want to resolve it. Mm. And you still would have your legal representation at mediation. Is that the way it works? It, it depends on the case. For example, if the only issue that was to be resolved between the parties was perhaps access or custody, it might might not necessarily need the involvement of legal representatives then at mediation. But if it's a case where there may be a lot of assets and Mm. there may be legal issues, well, then the legal representatives do attend mediation. Mm. And in recent times, I have done remote mediations as well, which have been very interesting. Um, So before, when we had mediation, you had perhaps it may have taken place in a in a hotel rather mm. than a court environment because it's it's somewhat I suppose more conducive to an agreement. You would have three different rooms, everybody in different rooms, the mediator going from room to room. But in we've done virtual mediations as well where there's virtual rooms and everybody is doing it by Zoom and I've I've been involved in some successful um, mediations virtually. That's very interesting. So even post-COVID, do you think that that sort of mediation might might stay in place? Because it sounds less, you know, less taxing, I suppose, on the people involved. Yes, and I suppose it depends on the case. You have to decide on a case-by-case, um, mm. on a case-by-case basis, you know, not one. It doesn't suit all cases. And there are to be physically present with the mediator, but it's certainly an option going forward. Right. And is mediation, is that chaired by a judge? No, mediation is chaired by a mediator who is an independent person and Ah. the mediator is selected by both parties. So both parties agree to to this mediator. There would normally be a number of names bandied about and um, one mediator is picked and the parties share the cost of that mediator if it's a private mediation. Now, there is a public system as well under the Family Law Mediation Service, but if it's a and, and that is state-funded. Um, I'm not sure currently what the waiting list for that is, but that's a very successful scheme as well. But if parties are going privately, they both share the costs of the mediator, so that can't be suggested, perhaps, that the mediator is being paid by one side. 
if mediation doesn't work, then I guess it, it, it comes before the courts. And um, that's a different ballgame then altogether, isn't it? Because it's, it's, it's rather more antagonistic, I suppose, in its own way. Oh, absolutely. It's an adversarial system. And um, I suppose the, the, the difficulty that we have at the moment is obviously the, there's a huge backlog of cases. The court system is going to be overrun. The Law Society came out recently saying that there's going to be, you know, the, the system won't be able to cope because of the effect, of, because many of the courts have been shut down during the pandemic. There is, a, there is, I suppose, in the pipeline, there is a new scheme, there's a new family law bill being drafted to change the court system and to change the way family law cases are being dealt with. And the government approved this last September and a draft bill which would involve specialist family law judges, specialist family law courts, and hopefully that will speed up the whole process but at the moment I suppose from time you issue court proceedings to getting it on for hearing you know parties could be over 12 months waiting to get a date for hearing Wow, Uh, the big difficulty of course uh, has to be the children Gillian and and what happens to them well, anything to do with the children is, you know, of the children's welfare is of paramount importance, and that's built built into all of our all of our legislation. And we would always, you know, impress on people that whatever decisions are made needs to be in the children's best interests. Now, obviously, if there is an issue with the children and the children, you know, and it can't be resolved, you can ap- ap- um, apply to the court on an interim basis to get a court determination on issues such as access. Um, access or custody, you don't have to wait till the end to deal with that. Mm, yeah, because it, it's so difficult. I mean, you must have seen this so many times, how difficult it is on children, Gillian. It is, and, and I suppose especially with the pandemic as well, it has been more complicated, you know, with children perhaps moving between two different households. But at the beginning of the p- pandemic, the court service, the courts did come out and say that adherence to access orders and custody orders they you know they they were permitted under the under the rules the restrictions what guarantees honesty from both parties in terms of the, the assets they might hold for example and um, how does that work i mean how can you guarantee that some some woman or some guy is telling the truth in terms of what it is he owns for example so in every case as part of the court process, both parties swear on oath and affidavit of means. So that sets out all their details. So it's done in paper at a very early stage of the process. There is then discovery. So at a minimum, parties have to give discovery. And when I say discovery, this is documents to evidence what is in their affidavit of means. So documents going back one year initially, that is the minimum. So bank statements, P60s, pay slips, pension statements, all of that. And in many cases, you will get discovery for a longer period, three years, five years, seven years, depending. So, you know, the paper trail has to be given, you know, to back up, to prove. Um, There are cases where forensic accountants might be brought in to analyse. So, I mean, you know, it, it it is virtually impossible to hide assets, really, because there will be a paper trail there showing the movement of monies through bank statements. 
What is the length of time now that you have to be apart before you can apply for... for is that a year now, is it? No, it's two years for a divorce. Years, is it? All right. Yeah, yeah, living separate and apart for two years right. um, before you can issue the proceedings. So previously it, it had been four years, but reduced to two years, which I think has seen an influx of, case, of divorce cases as well because previously people would have done a judicial separation which didn't require that length of time, but now it's two years, so many people are just waiting for the two years and going straight straight down the divorce route and not going down the judicial separation route. So is the judicial separation almost redundant at this point? I'm finding so, yes. Yes, I'm finding so. Or if you do issue judicial separation proceedings by the time you get it on for hearing, the parties are eligible for a divorce. So we're simply converting the proceedings then so that they don't have to start again. And the court will deal with it in the context of divorce. To people out there who might be in the unfortunate situation that they feel that their relationship has broken down, um, the first step is is what? I suppose the first step is you know speak to speak to us um, for initial consultation. We'll give advices. We'll talk to you about counselling. If it's gone too far, we'll talk to you about mediation. But. I mean, seek consultation. Um, I'm doing many consultations. Well, all of, all of our consultations are online now, which makes it a lot easier for people to, I suppose, engage in consultations, virtual video link consultations. So, so seek advice, seek initial advices, and then decide where you go. It must be particularly hard when, you know, there's big emotional difficulties between people, and, and that may be stopping them from making decisions that are good for them, if you know what I mean, Gillian. Yes, absolutely. And that is something that you would find, you know, if people engage in the legal process perhaps too early, Mm. you know. When when things are raw, I suppose. Exactly. But in addition to, while we're obliged to recommend marriage counselling, I always recommend personal counselling for people as well. You know, if they talk to their GP and they will get the name of a personal counsellor and that will help them deal with the emotional side, which we're not trained or equipped to deal with. We can only advise really on the legal aspects, which are very black and white. We don't and we can't get involved in emotional aspects. But counsellors, you know, there are counsellors out there who will help you deal with all of that so that you can make a decision which is in the best interest of, you know, of you and the children. Very good. Before before I let you go, can I ask you about coercive behaviour and how much you're hearing about this since it's being introduced now and recognised as domestic violence, I suppose, in its own way? Are you hearing much about that, in other words, that, you know, people are being mentally cruel to each other? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm hearing more of it in the media than I am actually in practice. Are you? Right. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, emotional abuse was always there anyway in some form, but it's not something that I'm actually coming across in practice that regularly. No, it isn't that very interesting indeed, because I'm reading yeah. about it all the time and I'm hearing it discussed all of the time, but on the ground, you're you're not coming across it. No, 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 I'm actually reading more about it than, as I say, in practice. Very good. All right. Gillian, thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. Gillian O'Mahony there of Lynch Solicitors in Clonmel, 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 083 311 3311. 
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage.ie.